passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline would like to wish you a very happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs. And it is wildcard weekend coming up in just a couple of days. And that's why BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, but they got a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's only when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Football basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online, it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. There is so much to get to right now, and I'm so happy to have this guest come on. She is the host of Bears Unleashed Weekly, doing post game all season long. Uh, doing God's work after a very, very <laughs> rough six and eleven season. She also is does Sports Zone Sunday. It is Caitlin Sharkey. Hello, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining the pod. How are you? Of course. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's it's crazy to think that we're done already with the season. But it, it every year it surprises me how fast and not fast it goes. <laughs> yeah, even with the seventeen weeks, right? I mean, at about week eight, week nine, you're like, man, we got a long way to go with this. And next thing you know, we're already wrapping up and we're already done. Uh, before we get started, real quick, it's kind of funny. The, we're doing a counterparts thing, really quick. Uh, you have a co-host, Gabe Ramirez. I have a co-host. Can't be here today, Corey Wooten. They also do post game together, yes. so this is like this is like the other side of the coin, uh, which is pretty fun. And do you enjoy working with Gabe? Oh, absolutely! It's been fun to have him on. The, you know, he's been doing Bruin View, and he's done Unleashed in the past. But last season, he wasn't with me and Anthony Heron. But to have him on the show this season was such a blast. I think the three of us played so well off of each other and just our different personalities, and it was so fun. And I think that's telling of who you're working with, especially a guy like Gabe, because. At, like you said, week nine, we got in and we're like, how do we keep this positive? How do we keep <laughs> yeah. this light? They've lost five in a row. Like this is harder than it looks. Um, but the whole time, the whole season of Bears Unleashed, I had an absolute blast. Yeah, that's a perfect characterization. You guys definitely kept it fun. And that is the toughest part. You know, I've been uh, lucky enough to do the pod here for Believe uh, over the last couple of years. And with the Chicago Bears, you know, once you get midway through the season, that just isn't you got to really kind of dig deep a little bit. And, I, you know, I'm an optimist at heart, and it's kind of hard to kind of push against some of the action that you see on the field. Uh, I want to dive all into it because there's so much to talk about the Chicago Bears. But first off, our listeners, when I get feedback from our listeners all the time, they just really love to hear just kind of the beginnings of the stories, the journeys that bring you to where you are today. Uh, they hear from all these different Chicago media voices all the time, but they don't know where they came from. So, Caitlin, if you can, just kind of walk us through, you know, how you got your start, uh, and all the way your journey to Fox 32 and Bears Unleashed. 
Yeah, I think I'm one of the, you know, the few Chicago sports media people or that I'm gathering that it isn't from Chicago, didn't grow up watching Chicago sports, so to speak. So I'm super grateful that I was given an opportunity to come to Chicago because I think it's an incredible sports market. But I, I mean, this season, I just wrapped up my ninth NFL season. So I started um, in 2013 um, in a small Wisconsin town. That's where I'm, I'm from, Wisconsin. I went to college in UW-Milwaukee. Uh, born and raised there, but my first TV job was in this super small town, uh, Wausau, way up north. Um, worked there for a season and a half, then went to Green Bay for two seasons, and then went to Milwaukee for three more seasons. So I've covered all Wisconsin sports seven years covering the Packers. So I knew the Bears side of things probably pretty closely. So I made the transition to coming to Chicago easy from a sense that I was like, oh, I, I know the rivalry, the matchups, all those games, all those memories. And I paid attention closely what was going on in Chicago. Um, so then, yeah, two years ago, almost two years ago, I came here um, and took the job at Fox 32. And I was so, I mean, it was an interesting time to take a new job because of the pandemic, but um, I, I've had such a blast. And I, I, one of the things that when you grow up in Wisconsin and people are so passionate about sports, coming to another city and another area where they're also just crazy about the sports is just amazing. And I feel like, you know, fans are just all over the place. And I took, I still take heat all the time about being from Wisconsin, covering the Packers, growing up a Packers fan. Like I have to like not talk about it, but people like know it's a thing and then they'll connect the dots and they'll be like, wait, like, does that mean you're a Packer fan? Like all of these things. And <laughs> I, I still, to this day, like, and, I mean, even back in Wisconsin, they couldn't believe that I left to go to the dark side to go to. Yeah, I was going to say, so, you matriculated your way south now. Do you get guff from uh, oh, the Wisconsin? Yeah. What are you doing down there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could, I, anytime I like post something or like even if I'm back home visiting my family or friends, you know, people will be like, oh, well, the bears still suck. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I mean, just like chill out, everyone. Uh, but it's fun. And I think that just speaks volumes to how passionate both fan bases are and it's been fun to be on the Bears side of things and I know the seasons haven't gone the last two years has anyone wanted to but I've enjoyed it and it's been a new challenge and it's fun to learn new players and coaches and fans and like what they get excited about what annoys them like all of that dynamic so and Chicago has an incredible sports media market as far as uh, talent and broadcasters and writers so it's been fun to be a part of. Well, to be very fair, I've always enjoyed my time in Milwaukee. Um, I enjoy going to Miller Park. The corn dogs there are, mm -hmm. are fantastic. <laughs> I was once poisoned at a Packers bar in Chicago, but that's a story for a different time. Um, it just, it's just kind of how it goes a little bit. Uh, but let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Um, a lot to talk about. Obviously, uh, nobody's news here. Uh, Ryan Pace was uh, dismissed this week. Matt Nagy was also dismissed this week. So the coaching candidate search and the GM search has already begun. I can already imagine, you know, Brian Dable right now is doing an American Idol Chris, like a Chris Stapleton uh, rendition right now. They have so many candidates going down at House Hall. Can I just get your reaction a little bit to the McCaskey press conference? Because it seems to be definitely very polarizing, a lightning rod for a lot of conversation right now. What was your take and reaction to that performance by McCaskey? To me, it was, it's hard when you hear from someone so infrequently, um, and especially <laughs> still being newer on the beat to like, I'm still deciphering like, wait, is this how he always is? Is this, you know, where like, <laughs> yeah. where people, but people in Chicago have been covering the team for decades and things like that. They're like, oh yeah. And, and they, and they have these opinions and they're more vocal about those opinions where someone in my position, I'm like, 
okay, like I, I'm trying to, like you said, I wasn't as fired up as everybody else was about. Like this was, I definitely think it was odd and I think it left a lot of questions unanswered, um, especially as far as moving forward. But at the same time, like I think the biggest hump for everyone to get over was like that change is coming. And I think, not that I thought at the end of the season, George was going to come out and say, Matt Nagy staying, Ryan Pace was staying. But like in the back of my mind, I was like, but like, what if, you know, cause mm -hmm. I, I expected that after last season. And, and I remember sitting in the, or sitting on zoom, listening to his press conference last year and hearing all of that and kind of wrapping my head around, like, wait for real, like they're going to stay like what nothing's working here. Um, so I wasn't really surprised by his comments or maybe, maybe some of the specifics of it were a little odd. Um, him bringing up Matt Nagy's son was a little odd to me. Um, just given time and just time and place. And I was like, okay, that part was a little bizarre, but um, I think the exciting part, and I think fans are all wrapped up and they want answers and they want, you know, change immediately. And I think that's all the exciting part because it, it was obviously a disappointing season, but to be around the team and to be around the coaches and the future is still bright. And I think that they gotta, you know, you gotta hang your, you don't want to focus on the dysfunction because to a level, there's always some dysfunction to some um, franchises. You don't want to focus on that. You want to focus on the fact that they have an opportunity to make a change now. Um, and, you know, it's you hope it's the right one. Well, you mentioned the infrequency, and we live in this content cycle, right? And I think we live in an anticipation cycle. So I think you're nailing on something, right? Where the fact that he doesn't get out there and talk that often, everyone was geared up for something I don't know, seismic, earth-changing. And let's be fair, I think it's fair to say that he's just not very good at that. You mm -hmm. know, it's just he's just not very good at maybe delivering the message, which kind of leads me to maybe the follow-up question of where do you stand on, you know, before the season ended and now where we are now, were you someone that was a proponent for having someone as a football president of operations, someone that can maybe speak two or three times a year to the media and deliver a clear message? Because it seems like George struggles at that. And the, for my part, and just the Chicago part, maybe you could speak even from your background in Wisconsin. I've just never seen people get so riled up about a chairman or an owner before. Like in Chicago, right. you don't hear from Jerry Reinsdorf. You know, mm -hmm. no one really cares what Tom Ricketts says because everyone was always focused on what Theo was doing. So it almost seems like, you know, what's the phrase they cut off the nose despite their face that he's kind of making his own problems for him. Do you want a president of football operations? Was that your hope heading into this offseason? I think what, why people get upset and everyone's looking for answers, especially when you just had no, no success in a number of, you know, coaches change, coaching changes, personnel, quarterbacks, all of these things, none of it's working. Right. So everyone's looking for who do you blame? Well, if you get, you're getting ready, getting rid of coaches and you're bringing different ones in and they're not working, you're, you're getting a new GM and that's not quite work. People want to know, well, who's responsible for this? So I think it's very easy for George McCaskey to be a target. Um, and I'm not saying he, there's obviously some questionable decisions because again, the success isn't happening from the top down, but I think the question would be different. And I don't think anyone would mind not hearing from George if they were a successful football franchise. <laughs> I feel yes. like it, yeah. it's a matter of like, this is bad. Like it's been bad for years. Like, who do we talk to now? Matt Nagy's gone. Ryan Pace is gone. Now, who do we talk to? Who's going to fix this? And I think, I mean, that just comes with the business and it's obviously a highly competitive business, but you see some teams where, you know, you got Jerry Jones, who's going on radio shows every week and talking about players and what they should do. And then you have the opposite side of the spectrum. And it's hard to say which one's right necessarily, because like I said, if 
the Bears had success and George wasn't a football guy and he just knew how to pick the right people to make those decisions, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. Yeah, shake the hands, kiss mm-hmm. the babies, right? And yeah, just like wave pay, at the crowd. Provide and, the funds, yeah. Yeah, what happens usually, you know, when you watch the Super Bowl, you finally see that owner come out yeah. and he finally gets to hold the trophy with the confetti and hand it to the people that it's important to. And I guess that's kind of where we're at with the Bears in a crossroads of, and I think this is where the drilling into the real question of it is, they're entering this area now where they don't want to put someone as a football president of football operations. And I'm fine with that because they want the general manager to have the full power. And yet somehow they continue to hire outside people. Bill Pullian is the next buzzword of the week of someone that's come in to help them. So I'm hoping that they get this correct, right? Because if they get the general manager correct and he is in control and he can be that message and he can deliver what we all think that we need to hear from the Chicago Bears and also maybe create a winning franchise, then maybe it satiates all of that. I guess maybe the fear among a lot of Bears fans is that they keep bringing in outside people to assess when maybe you could have someone in-house that has a little bit more of a fingerprints on the franchise. Right, and I think, too, when people are unsure of you know, everyone was hanging on George's line about like, I'm a football fan. I'm not an evaluator. And then you're thinking like, well, this guy's in Uh-oh. charge of evaluating. Like, wait, that's not right. Um, and I, I just think- eat the ice cream. I don't run the store. Yeah, I just eat the like, ice cream here. Yeah. yeah. And I get people's kind of like re- reaction to that. Like what, what, you know, what kind of, but to me, it's all about keeping an open mind. And I think sometimes when you fall into like, things aren't going well, and now you have these big decisions to make, I just hope them the McCaskies and that they don't just quickly like bring someone in because they just need that. Like, I'm not saying Bill Pulling is not qualified to speak on, you know, pr- you know, football and things like that. But then you're kind of wondering, like, is it just because of connection? Like keep an open mind because I think there's a lot of new young upcoming scouting directors, GMs that in, in this football league, especially in the last 10 years that just have a different mindset of where the league's kind of going. What's, and I think sometimes those guys get overlooked because we want to go, we want to look at someone's resume and their success rate. And obviously Bill Pullen is a guy that is successful. He knows football, but then you're like, but like right now, you know what I mean? You, you just want someone maybe a little bit closer to what's currently going on in the NFL. And, and there's so many moving parts and personalities and that you have to analyze. So I think that's going to be the interesting part, but the fact that Sue Campbell, you know, Lamar is part of it, that, that search and, you know, just entrust the people that are in the trenches, I guess, so to speak, you know, that's how, that's how I would approach it. And, you know, the people that are around your team and your, your front office, and even if there's changes coming, like how can they still be valuable? Because sometimes the people that aren't talking or aren't asked the questions actually hold a lot of knowledge. And I think that's something that the bears organization, unfortunately continues to struggle with. And Mm -hmm. we're kind of walking out of this, naggy Mitch Trubisky era a little bit and I've maintained for a long time that I think George McCaskey and the Bears as a whole I think they look at the Steelers and I think they're so jealous Mm -hmm. I think they wish Mm -hmm. that they could just have a coach for 15 years have a GM for the 15 16 years like Kevin Colbert who eventually rises up the ranks and that kind of stability and they just haven't quite found it yet and now they're kind of hoping that they can do it again one last time which brings us over to my favorite part let's talk about coaching rumors um let's talk about the candidates because there's so many of them um you know, if you can, let's just talk about maybe one or two names uh, that you like a whole lot that have you the most intrigued right now. Let's just start with maybe your top candidate right now. Who on that list right now is, has you saying, wow, this could be a really great fit, not just for the Bears as a whole, but also Justin Fields? I think, I mean, and, and I'm going to go not 
kind of the George direction, but not when I, when people ask me this question, like who should they hire? And I'm, and I'm like, okay, I have guys that I like, and I have a direction that I think is what the bears organization needs, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm like, this should be the guy or, you know, everyone's like yeah. throwing names around. I, I like Brian Flores. I was shocked that he um, did not mm-hmm. stay in Miami. I still think um, there's a lot of, sometimes it's about fit. And I feel like that dynamic just didn't play well for him, but I think he's still highly qualified. Nathaniel Hackett obviously is one that everybody wants. And I, for me, when I'm thinking about a coach for the bears, cause I know there, you know, there's the list of candidates is growing and you see a couple of defensive coordinators pop up there or defensive minded coaches. And I'm thinking that's not what the bears need. And I know like, it's easy to be like, well, this guy's defense was the bears defense has been good. They have not been the issue They're They've been the golden child that like through injuries, different personnel, a new coordinator and Sean aside, they still managed to get it done. There's very few situations where you're like, oh, the Bears defense blew it again. Like that was never the problem. So I think when they come, when they're trying to find a new head coach, it has to be someone that's coming in for their offense and understanding how it's going to fit the personnel. And I think that was the big, you know, knack on Matt Nagy. Like he was this offensive guru but it, the scheme never fit for what he had. And, and try as he might, it was just like the decision-making, you were like, well, this doesn't work. Like none of this makes sense. So I think that's going to have to be their point of emphasis because they do have a franchise. Hopefully what they hope is a franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. And you'd be silly for me to kind of go the defensive route and not put a focus on fields and what that offense needs to be built from the ground up. Because otherwise you're just, like, I didn't think Sean Desai did a bad job as defensive coordinator. And I think yeah. given the circumstances as well. So I don't feel like bringing in a defensive coordinator, or a defensive minded former head coach is going to fix their problems. So I do like uh, Hackett and Flores both right now, uh, but I know they're both going to be highly sought after. So it's going to be interesting to see like the, I mean, the openings are insane and it, it, that's <laughs> going to be fun. It's going to be a fun off season to watch. The Giants all of a sudden after Flores were like, well, we want in on this. I'm all of a sudden now. And I, and I like Flores a lot too. And you're kind of nailing on something that I think you said you said about Nagy. And I think maybe the most important thing that I hope that they find in the next prospective head coach is I want someone that can adjust, right? Mm-hmm. Like Nagy yeah. was tied to this scheme. I want someone that can play different styles of offensive football. Right. Maybe and we run the ball the, the whole game. Yeah. 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 Maybe we throw the ball. Maybe we run the ball. We can cater to the matchup, cater to the opponent, keep people guessing, not through uh, shuffle passes and Santa Slay, but through, you know, the adjustment through an offensive game plan, which is why I'm going to throw a name out there. And I, it, maybe it leads to a bigger conversation of a guy like Josh McDaniels. Who has proven that he can adjust and cater his offense to the personnel and components that he has on hand at that particular time and not the dream scenario up on the whiteboard? And can you talk a little bit about, and maybe this is a conversation about life, I don't know, but with Josh McDaniels and Brian Flores, I find them to be very intriguing because I think I like I like candidates that have the stigma of the word can't in front of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Brian Flores can't get along with other people. Josh McDaniels can't in Denver, he couldn't get along with Jay Cutler. And I find those to be really interesting because sometimes those coaches often mature and find from their previous mistakes that they can then move on and adjust. And then their next iterations, maybe make some adjustments themselves and become better coaches for it. You know, let's name check Bill Belichick, Pete Mm -hmm. Carroll on it and so forth. So, I mean, it sounds like you also, like with Brian Flores, you know, he couldn't get along with Tua. He couldn't get along with management. That isn't a precursor for you to stop them them from being interested in, correct? 
No, and I think, I feel like people underestimate, maybe they don't, but I feel like sometimes it gets underestimated, the amount of egos within the NFL. And, mm-hmm. and because you have to have it, right? You're at the top of your game, If whether you're a coach, you're a GM, you're a player, you're a quarterback. Like, you obviously have an ego. So, like, of course there's going to be disagreements or one player is going to love this coach and one player is not going to love this coach. But that, to me, like, it's like hitting a roadblock and then, understanding okay this didn't work for me but that doesn't mean I'm not capable of doing this job somewhere else and I think it also speaks into the fact that people were so surprised about the way the Bears players were talking about Matt Nagy like oh like I was really close to him I was shocked he got and everyone was like what like this is unbelievable like who cares if they like their coach and there's obviously something to be said about that um, where it's like there you have the other side of the spectrum Brian Flores couldn't get along with his quarterback um, but he ended the season, you know, he turned the season around in the midway points. Um, the Bears loved Matt Nagy. Some of the Bears players literally were devastated and said they love Matt Nagy, David Montgomery especially. But then it's like you weren't winning football games. So you have to decide where you place that value. And I think it's all about fit, just like anything in life. Um, if the fit isn't there, it's just – it'll be interesting to see where they kind of rank likability or like fit or – and try to ignore those things like, well, he didn't like this guy and they didn't get along. Like, who knows? You know, I'm sure people thought Justin Fields didn't get along with Matt Nagy, but yeah. Justin Fields was like, I liked Matt Nagy. You know, it was just one of those things where it just didn't work. Yeah. Further to that point, because you're in it a lot deeper from a journalistic perspective than I am. And what, what do you take like when you hear some of this stuff, right? Like, you know, when things get leaked out, you know, sometimes these things can be leaked out intentionally. Um, I've often thought like a little bit. You know, when Matt Nagy was going to be fired before Thanksgiving with the Patch.com report, I kind of also had a bit of a conspiracy theory that maybe the Bears were okay with that kind of getting out there just to see what everyone thought. Mm-hmm. And then because they are, they do feel a little directionless right now and they are dealing with a power structure that is in transition right now. And you're starting to hear all these different things about either Brian Flores or this, that, or the other. You know, as a journalist and someone that covers the Bears right now, you know, how many grains of salt do you have to take with sometimes when you get information from different sides, because some people could be, you know, just stumping for their guys. And other times mm-hmm. it could be, you know, kind of go in a different direction. You know, how do you kind of um, wade through all that? I think what's interesting in the, the time that we live in and social media and the access that journalists have to players and front office members and, and, th- and coaches and things like that, that those leaks, I mean, that can happen. It can be, there can be absolutely solid, you know, something behind it. But then there can also be, I think a lot of times emotions play a role. So like, let's say Mm. they get Mm -hmm. blown out and, you know, this coach or this assistant or this coordinator, or even this player is like, read something wrong about like, well, the post game, you know, meeting with coach was off, or I feel like this is, and all it takes is that person sending one text to one reporter somewhere and they take that and run with it. And I'm not saying neither are wrong in that action, but I think emotions play more in leaks than I think people understand. And yeah, I think a lot of times they're very intentional in getting that information out, especially with Thanksgiving, you know, the Thanksgiving drama. And I mean, to me, the only ones that suffer in the end, and ironically, is like the team, because they're the ones that are trying to be like, wait, like the ones that the players that are on Twitter are like, wait, is our coach really going to be fired? They're asking their coach, they're asking their teammates, and they'll say that they didn't talk about it. But it's, you know, it's BS. Like, you you know, like the players that are on Twitter see it, they're going to say something to somebody else. And I think at the end of the day, all of those leaks, whether they're trying to 
feel everybody out and see what people's reaction to it, it has an effect. And so I have to say the one thing, like I had to commend the Bears um, players and Matt Nagy even is kind of battling through that. Cause every week he would, we would at, like the press conference would start and he'd be like, no, I, you know, I was not told someone's asking <laughs> yeah, it like, yeah. are you going to get fired this week? And then we'd go next week. Is it going to be this week coach? And I would just be like, Oh, this is so awkward. And that's when you just feel bad. And you're like, this is an organizational issue where it shouldn't even be to that point. Cause like this poor man is changing quarterbacks every other week because of COVID and injuries. And the first question is like, but are you going to have a job next week? And it's just like, Oh man, <laughs> I'm not thinking about it. Parentheses. Uh, you're asking yeah. me about it all the time. So I'm definitely, right. <laughs> I'm definitely thinking about it. Yeah. And that's a little bit of part of it too. Like obviously human beings and everything. That's why I'm just kind of preaching. I think on this pod to bears fans to not only just maybe I don't get as excited as you want to, but maybe don't, Walk into everything with an open mind, especially when we make these hires at GM and coach. And maybe if they're not your number one hire that you had on the board, if it's not Jim Harbaugh, it's okay. Mm -hmm. From my personal, my personal fantasy with Sean Payton, um, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll see. But just in general, you know, every single candidate right now is a bright young mind. You know what I mean? Right. Very sharp and very intelligent. And there's a lot of people going out there stumping for those people to try and get them these jobs. And obviously it's a results-based business and we're just going to have to kind of see as we move along. Speaking of seeing as we go along, I just want to get your take on Justin Fields. Um, we're able to kind of look back now and sort of canvas his mm -hmm. rookie season. Obviously, uh, I think disjointed is a very fair word to mm -hmm. kind of put out there. But, you know, where are you right now in terms of his performance, his future? What did you see from him? What did you like and what do you think he needs to improve on? Yeah, I think it was interesting to watch his season because it, it felt like, he, he experienced a little bit of everything. Um, and a lot <laughs> yes. of it, a lot of it for the first time, um, yeah. all of us, I mean, going back to when he was drafted and the constant hype and excitement, you know, the fact that he was there. And so it, I felt like the beginning of the season, you know, he was navigating through that and like, okay, now there's a lot of pressure on me. I need to go out and perform, but he wasn't going to start. But then all of a sudden he did start and it was terrible. Like I'll never get the Cleveland game out of my head and just how, ugly mm -hmm. and terrible it was um and then you know he goes through that and then he gets injured and and there's constantly switching quarterbacks and when he would have these moments and and flashes of you know people would be like oh this is why they drafted him and I think he absolutely has quite the skill set I think he still needs to be developed and I think again it goes back it wasn't a good fit and I feel like the offense that they were trying to create around him with the tools that they had or didn't have was just it, it was going nowhere like they were just running in circles and that's kind of how I felt and I felt like he was trying to learn as much as possible I feel like his decision making um and how he was in the huddle the players said that that was the biggest improvement that they saw because there were many times where I would notice him like dropping back and he was like looking for Darnell um mm -hmm. or you know and he's his instinct is to run and in college and in his career up until this point, like when you're a mobile quarterback, it's you're like, oh, I can run, I can run. Well, in the NFL, like you can run, but this guy's already, you know, this linebacker or this DB is already going to cut you off to where. It, so I think he's learned that part where I can't just because my default is to scramble or roll out of the pocket. Um, so I think he did, you know, a good job improving on that and taking his time and going through his reads. And I think they helped by you know, adjusting, getting him moving the pocket a little bit for him because those early games, it was just like hard to watch because he just looked, he looked overwhelmed. And I don't think necessarily it was all on him. It was just uh, this, you know, combination of things. It was a disaster. 
Um, but I think he's come a long way, but I think he still has so much further to go. Um, and I think he would say that, like, I don't think he would say I, I left this rookie season feeling good. Like, no, I mean, he ended it on the COVID list, which is terrible, you know, and, and it, with an ankle injury, it was just like, it was such a like lose all momentum. That's how I kind of felt for him. Yeah. He had that four game window two against Minnesota, mm -hmm. Seattle and the giants, all vulnerable secondaries. And I was kind of yeah. pumping this whole theory of he could have walked into the off season on a high, and I was yeah. talking to Corey, and he's like, yeah, momentum is real. Even in a lost season, heading into an off season, it could have really happened for him. I'm right there with you. I think, like, the worst part about the whole thing with Nagy this season, and eventually I think it really ended up costing his job, was that Cleveland game. Mm -hmm. It really looked like, you know, when you draft Justin Fields, Caitlin, don't you go home that night and you get on the whiteboard and you're like, I'm going to draw up all these fun plays for him, and when he finally gets in the lineup, they – they they seemed like oh they kind of it felt like they were almost scrambling, mm -hmm. and they were doing no max protect and no chip help and it was like oh my it gosh was a disaster and, and I think it and it's a combination of two the the receivers not being in good positions and the schemes no, that yeah. it's like not he, Nat Nagy not designing his offense to tailor his talents right like Justin right. obviously loved Darnell Mooney but it's like that's great and that that can be your guy but like let's not just have Allen Robinson run a five yard curl route every single time or either, or either block, like use your tools to the best of your ability. And I just feel like they didn't do that. And up until yeah. last week when David Montgomery wasn't running the ball on fourth and one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and that was the unfortunate thing too is, and this is very, this is a fair criticism of Justin Fields. I felt like he was like 0 0.2, 0 0.3 seconds slow on everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. saw it as, as we got into that San Francisco game, that decision of, like you said, progression or tuck and run, he finally started getting a little bit more decisive about that. And I thought that yeah. was really a nice improvement on him moving forward. And I just don't know if they really ushered him through that whole process in the most seamless way. So I, I, I think that there's a lot still to learn about Justin Fields moving forward. Final question on Justin Fields uh, before we get to some hoops talk real quick. Um, are you a person that says Justin Fields needs a number one receiver or Justin feel like, you know, we need to go get Devontae Adams. Sorry, Packers fans, but we need to get the Devontae Adams of the world. Or do you just feel like uh, Justin Fields just needs more complimentary weapons and receivers around him to just help him give him more options in the offense? Yeah, I think it's the more options in the offense and then developing within those options and building the chemistry. I mean, they just didn't have a lot of consistency this season. Mm -hmm. Like they were changing. I mean, Andy was in there. Justin was in there. The you know, they lose their receivers to COVID or injury. And it was just, it was constantly just this moving moving musical chairs and to me that's what hurts being a rookie quarterback because like me you could throw Andy Dalton in there and he's going to know this is how this receiver is going to run their route I can catch them more in stride where I don't feel like Justin's game was developed at that point to do that so it's you could just tell like oh he hasn't worked a lot with them or but I think they can do that they can get the right options and right pieces around him I don't think even bringing in a Devonte Adams is going to all of a sudden help them out because I would, I would say like you had a guy in that, like that with Allen Robinson, not saying Allen Robinson is Devonte Adams, but at the beginning of the season, I'd feel pretty good if I was a quarterback and this guy was on my team, but yet we didn't see any of his production or talent displayed, especially within the two of them. So that part, like boggled my mind where I think I'm like, I think it's a bigger issue of just like scheme and personnel and plays that are being called that affected Justin, not so much like 
I mean, Devonte Adams is good too because he has Aaron Rodgers throwing the football. So I think it's yeah. a little bit. It's a little bit of both. <laughs> they are tell. It's telepathic yeah. with them. Yeah, it really absolutely. is. It's I I I hate love Aaron Rodgers. I call him Dark Lord Rodgers. Uh, but their their vibe is so one page, and I agree with you because I guess one of my fears is I, I'm putting Justin Fields first on this whole thing, and my whole fear is that. I don't want him to feel like he has to cater to a number one receiver and the number one receiver right. isn't happy if he doesn't get the ball and doesn't oh, get the yeah. targets. That's and a dynamic they don't need. <laughs> we don't need that at all. I completely yeah. agree with you. Um, final one for you before we get out of here. Uh, let's talk some basketball real quick because basketball is back in Chicago. Um, you're from Milwaukee. You know a thing or two about hoops these last couple of years. Let's just talk about it. It's so strange that the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls have not played each other yet this year. It is so weird, but it's coming in about a week or so. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about you know what you've seen so far from the Milwaukee Bucks, the returning NBA champions, how exciting that championship was last year. And is it fair to say that we might have a budding rivalry on our hands in the Midwest again? I think, I think so, and I think that's really exciting for – these two cities because especially because Milwaukee has been on this rise. And I mean, it was incredible to watch them win a championship. I was in Milwaukee for game six when they won it. And no way. Uh, yeah. And to watch Milwaukee transform into basket to a basketball city over the last five, six years has been, is just like warmed my heart because it was just a disaster and no one cared about uh, basketball in Milwaukee. And then we're like Chicago's on the other side of the spectrum, obviously, like, you know, the, the Chicago bulls are just, you think NBA and that's what you think it's iconic. But then the, like, as of late, they hadn't had, you know, this team that could compete. So now I think it's so fun to watch the merging of this potential rivalry because you have the bucks who won the thing. And now they're, they're, con they're contenders. Now, as long as Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the team, they <laughs> always have a good shot. Um, and I think they've done a really good job at, um, hopefully sustaining that and now to watch the Bulls and I think that's the exciting part too because the Bulls are just fun to watch and I think there's a lot of people when they're like DeMar DeRozan they're gonna pay him how much like oh I don't like this and to see it kind of didn't pay him enough yeah underpaid work out, underpaid yeah, <laughs> work out for DeMar and that entire team and it makes me excited for Zach Levine too because it's like one of those guys who just been grinding it out waiting for the success to kind of the right pieces to find themselves in Chicago. So it's a blast. There's so much fun to watch. I went to my first Bulls because last year I didn't get to any um, because of COVID and things like that. I went to my mm -hmm. first Bulls game probably a month or two ago, and it was just so fun to see how excited people were to watch Bulls basketball. So both teams excite me, and it makes me excited for the East because I feel like there's all the love to the Western Conference, rightfully so, but I feel like sometimes the East uh, doesn't get their, their due. Well, even the Central Division, just in general, the yeah. Pacers. They, I think the Detroit Pistons are going to be an interesting team in a couple of years. And yeah, I'm, I'm super excited because you know, growing up, it was White Sox Brewers, um, and then obviously Cubs Brewers is such a fantastic rivalry mm -hmm. in the last like ten years or so. Obviously, Bears Packers. That goes without saying. But yeah. the Bulls and Bucks, it was always kind of one or yeah. the other. It was uh, it was Dolph Shays and Frank Perkowski in the Jordan area. And then you guys had Big Dog and Ray Allen mm -hmm. and Sam when the Bulls weren't so good. And now they're kind of converging at the same time. And I think it could lead to some really, really fun basketball. And I guess maybe the bright side is we get them four times in the next 40-plus games, which will also be really fun. I, I just have to ask you, so wait, you were there game six when the Bucks won the title, uh, vicariously, let me live through that. What was that night like? Uh, what did you oh. do afterwards? How intense was it? Because um, that just sounds like an incredible, incredible time. I watched it on TV out here in L.A., but you, you were right there for it. Yeah, it, it was an incredible and unique experience for myself because 
I obviously had covered the Bucks my first seven years working in Wisconsin, but like yeah. as a as a reporter, it's a totally different vibe, especially when they're in the playoffs and things like that. So for me to go as a fan and then kind of see like how fans are during just like these insane games and. I mean, we didn't sit down one time and um, yes. it, the energy yes. was just like insane from the moment the ball tipped to when the confetti came down. And I was just like, I can't, I can't believe it. I was still kind of in like a state of shock. Um, it was one of the best nights ever. And it was one of those reasons where I'm like, that's why I love sports. That's why I got into sports. And it's rewarding because I could kind of, you know, growing up there and I remember going, God, being asked to go to Bucks games. And I'd be like, no, like it'd be $20 for a ticket. And I'm like, I don't want to go. They're so terrible. Like, I guess we can go watch Brandon Jennings for a little while. Yeah, like, Michael, Michael Red, yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, I don't want to go. And then to like flashback to that, being in college, blowing games off to like now um, covering them and then now being here, but yet being a Milwaukee fan and native, it was just, it was a really cool experience. Oh, that's awesome. And you guys have Giannis to appreciate. A guy who's yes. committed to the city. He's going to be there all the way through. And probably is going to end up on the Mount Rushmore of Wisconsin athletes. If they, he isn't already there, right? Favre, oh, yeah. Rogers, him. And, uh, yes. who, who else Who would be the fourth right now? Would you have Yelich, a fourth? Yelich was there. I don't know mm -hmm. if Christian Yelich is still there anymore. I think he CC, was. For like CC a, just for the two-month run. CC gets yeah, up there. <laughs> CC forever. We, that was the one time we were just so excited anyone wanted to come to Milwaukee, especially CC <laughs> Sabathia. <laughs> him and prince going out to dinner yep. it's just like yes these are our people uh caitlin sharkey thank you so much for taking the time uh, and being generous with your time to come on to the pod here um please do us a favor uh give everyone the listeners your socials how to check out all of your great work in chicago right now on fox 32 uh really enjoyed having you on the pod and other people should check out all your great work sounds good thank um i'm k rose sharkey on twitter and instagram um and right now i'm on the sports zone um, Sundays at 10 on Fox 32 and then during the week at 5 and 9 um, now covering bowls and it's exciting for me to like feed my basketball bug now that I can obviously I'll be keeping a close eye on the playoffs playoff football um, but it's exciting to get back into the NBA beat now for a little bit well, congratulations on all of your great work. Uh, I'm so happy that you're in the 312, the 773 area. Yes. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm always rooting for your success in a very long career. Thank you so much for joining the pod. Thank you. Uh, this is Bet on Chicago and Believe in Bears. Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. we got more great Bears stuff coming the rest of the week. Till then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. And you know what? Bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.